Welcome to our Catechism class. It's a weekly look at the Heidelberg Catechism to help you learn Christian doctrine with a warm and practical application. Each lesson has its own study guide, and the web link to find that guide can be found in the episode notes. Okay, let's start the lesson. So welcome to our Catechism class for today, or rather for this week. We're looking again, finally, uh, at Lord's Day 34. Um, one of the reasons why we use the Heidelberg Catechism at Ballymacashan is because of its warmth, because of the catechist's desire for the soul to be saved and to have a right relationship with the Lord. So we really shouldn't be surprised when we read in Lord's Day 34 that the Catechist is asking us to seek to obey the first commandment for the sake of my very salvation. And you can understand right away his concern for souls. He wants to be rightly saved, to be right with God. So today in this class we're going to remain with Lord's Day 34 and we're going to ask the question, what is the value of the soul? Now in order to prepare ourselves, please read Mark's Gospel, chapter 8, verse 35 to verse 37. That's Mark's Gospel, chapter 8, verse 35 to verse 37. You're listening to the Semper Reformata podcast with Bob McAvoy. So Lord's Day 34, of course, is dealing with the Ten Commandments and with the First Commandment. And we're asking, what does the Lord require in the First Commandment? And we're looking at the fact that the Catechist begins with the statement that for the sake of my very salvation. Now we have been thinking about that and I've been greatly concerned by the solemnity with which the Catechist begins his question to question 94, begins his answer rather to question 94. He implies in his statement that there is an importance to the human soul that the human soul has great value and that there is a danger, a danger that we might lose our souls forever for the sake of my very salvation. It is for the sake of our very salvation that we must flee from idolatry. It is for the sake of our very salvation that we must come to know God through a saving relationship with Jesus. Now in the reading that you read in preparation for this lesson, uh, you will have seen the solemnity of the words used by the Lord Jesus. In Mark chapter 8, he says this, For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? There's great value in the human soul, isn't there? Now you might ask, what is the soul? Well, we all have a soul. A soul is what makes us different from the animals. We consist not just of a body and a spirit, but of a soul. 
1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23. And Paul writes, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. In Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now, we're more than just a body. We're more than just a collection of cells. We're more than just a clump of DNA. We have a soul. And the soul that's within us will live on after the earthly body has been destroyed. In fact, in Paul wrote in Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 1, For we know that if our earthly house, the tent that we live in, is dismantled, we have a building from God, a house not built with human hands, but that is eternal in the heavens. Even if our body goes, um, we will still live on. A soul is of enormous value. And so much so that Jesus asked the rhetorical question, what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? How could we ever place a price on the soul? What would be a fair exchange for the loss of the soul? It is priceless. It's of infinite worth. And here is why. Because our bodies perish and they develop sickness and disease and eventually in God's appointed timing they die and they're placed in the grave and they decay. And there they remain, our DNA perpetually in the soil or in the sea until the resurrection day when body and soul shall be reunited and we will have a new body like Christ's resurrected body. But the soul doesn't die. The soul lives on. And where will that soul be in eternity? And that's what concerns the catechist so much that he asks that we must not put anything before the Lord, not make any idol for ourselves for the sake of my very salvation. That's because the soul is in mortal danger. Jesus warns of the possibility that a man or a woman may lose his or her own soul. And we might have great success in life. We might accumulate millions of pounds. We might, as Jesus said, gain the whole world. We might have a worthy reputation among other people. We might rise to positions of power and authority. We might gain fame. We might become admired by citizens all over the world. We might conquer nations. We might pioneer new treatments for the benefit of mankind. We might explore the vastness of the universe. We might gain the whole world and still lose our own soul. And the loss of the soul is a very serious matter, for it's an eternal loss. It's a loss that can never be regained. It is to stand before God in our sins, to be cast away forever from his loving presence, to be consigned to eternal punishment in the place so vividly described in Revelation chapter 20 and verse 15 where we are told that whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Now that's the great danger of the soul. And that's why the Catechist warns us so solemnly about inventing a false god of our own 
instead of worshipping the God who created us. So we have a soul. And there's a danger that we could lose our soul. And there's a calculation that every one of us has to make. When Jesus speaks in Mark's Gospel, chapter 8 and verse 35 to 37, he uses terms that remind us of commerce, of profit and loss. When he asks, what shall it profit a man? He's urging us to sit down and think these things through, to calculate the risk. Some years ago, I attended a business course in Bangor Tech, now known, of course, as the Southeastern Regional College. And it was really basic stuff. How to price your work so that you would make a profit and be able to live. How to take into account all the costs of materials, how to calculate the time that it would take and how much you would need to earn to pay your personal living expenses. Most of us were happy enough with that. But then the teacher began to ask, have you added in the cost of your premises? Don't you need to factor that into the equation? So we agreed, yes, that's absolutely true. Got to add that in. And then he asked, who pays for your car expenses? What about equipment repair and replacement? So we agreed that those things would also have to be added. So we got all our facts down, we got all our figures, we did our calculation, we put on our profit, and we were about to conclude the cost of our job when he said, wait, what about opportunity costs? I'd never heard of opportunity costs. Well, he said, if you weren't doing this, what else would you be doing? Would you be doing a better job? Would you be doing a well-paid job? Or would you be doing an easier job or a more rewarding job? Aren't you going to take into account the fact that you're doing this job for someone and you're not able to do something else that might be more profitable? And I was thinking, well, what about spending time with your family? What about spending time with your loved ones? What about something that you should be doing for the Lord? If you're doing this for someone else, what's the cost to your spiritual life? The biggest cost in business is very often the toll that business takes on your personal life. Now, he didn't say that, but what he was really talking about was the cost to the soul. It's possible to be extremely successful in business and to damage your personal, family, spiritual life. It is possible to gain the whole world and to lose your own soul. And what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? And there is a challenge. Do the sums, do the maths, Take account of your spiritual condition. Ask yourself, who or what really is the object of my worship? Because if it's anything other than God, our souls are in grave danger. If it's money, if it's wealth, if it's fame, if it's work, if it's business. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24, No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. A more modern translation puts that you can't serve God and money.
There's nothing that can take the place of God in our lives. The opportunity costs are far too great. We could gain the whole world and lose our own soul. And to allow anything into the place that God rightly demands in our life, to be the object of our worship, the only object of our worship, anything at all that takes his place is to invite eternal misery and loss upon our never-dying soul. So in this lesson, we want to learn that the law of God, right at the very beginning of the Ten Commandments, forces us to examine our conscience and examine our heart. If we're not following the Lord, if we're not living in a relationship with him that excludes all others, our instructor in our catechism sternly warns us that our very salvation is in danger. He advises us in these urgent words, Further, that I rightly come to know the only true God, trust in him alone, Submit to him with all humility and patience. Expect all good from him only and love, fear and honour him with all my heart. I thank you for listening and I shall see you for our next catechism class when we'll be looking at Lord's Day 35. And until then, let's take account of our lives and make sure that the Lord is in his rightful place. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode of the podcast, please help to make it better known by opening the podcast app on your phone or mobile device. Then, search for The Semper Reformata Podcast. Subscribe and give it a 5-star rating. See you next time.